0: You're listening to the Outpost Podcast with Doctor Ray Mitch. Well, greetings and welcome, everybody, to another edition of the so, I, oh my goodness, I am—I was so close to saying psych monologues to the Outpost podcast. Yeah, I'm still getting used to our new name, and uh, as you can tell, even though I made the switch, and you would think that I could make the switch, but I haven't. So. Let's try that again. Welcome to the Outpost Podcast. I almost did it again. That's crazy. To the Outpost Podcast. I'm Dr. Ray Mitch, your host. And uh, we are here to um, explore a variety of topics that are related to faith, psychology, and spiritual formation. Um, And on the website at sgi-net.org, we want to create a space where... Uh, The doubters and the wounded and the confused and beat up and beat down and, and bent and bruised who feel like their lives are a disappointment to God will find a place where they will be able to interact with people that say, yep, me too, I've been in that place or I am still in that place. And let's, let's talk. Let's do the journey together. And that's really what we're trying to create online, at least initially, and then in person eventually. And that's, uh, that's our goal. So um, that's about us and what this podcast uh, was originally created. I think I mentioned at the very first, at the start of this series, that um, the podcast itself started out as... Uh, love You Later Bye podcast, which is what I sign off with. Um, and then it morphed into the psych monologues. But it all started with this very topic. And the topic is grief and loss. Now, some of the reason for that was that um, I w- it happened at the, um, the dreaded 2020, spring of 2020, when we all were sent home and locked out and locked down, and um, the seniors that were doing my um, shame and grace, not shame and grace, my grief and loss class, I I thought, how can I reach out to them, even though I don't share a space with them in, in my teaching, and so I thought, well, I'll do a podcast, and I'll do one again, because actually, many years ago, I did a podcast when it wasn't so cool to do one. Um, and it was called from morning to morning. It was on iTunes, and you know, probably all of um, my family listened to it, and not very many other people did. Uh, but it was it was actually uh, me reading from and re- reacting to or commenting on uh, my first book on grief, that called "Grieving the Loss of Someone You Love." and amazingly enough that that book has been out for 30 years it was published originally in 1993 which sounds like ancient of days but anyway that's uh that's not probably what you came here for and so let me uh jump in and give you an idea of where we are and what we're doing um we have started out this year uh doing a um series on grief and loss partly because to to coincide with the launch of my new book called The Seasons of Our Grief. And it is now available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon. And you can find it on the website, as I said, sgi-net.org. So you can get it at any one of those places. And there's a special opportunity coming up here in just a week, a little under a week now, um, that uh, I will be hosting a uh, a launch party, and I'm not much for parties, but a launch party where you will get to meet my publisher, and I will be there, obviously, and I'll read a few excerpts from the book that are meaningful or have some kind of story connected to them. And then uh, we'll do a short Q&A, and then we'll take time to get books signed and um greetings given uh to to and to just hang out. So that's but I'll give you the details of that coming up. So why why do a series at the, at the beginning of the year it seems like that would be a really it, it would be seen by most as a sad way to start out the year. But I I think that's a skewed view of how we view loss and how we view grief and I I'm I, I am the last one on earth that will glorify that or add some Christian veneer to it to make it sound better. I I I just won't because I I don't think it conveys the depth of feeling that people have when they go through it. So I thought what I would do is is give you a flyover of the seasons of our grief, my book and share with you some uh three different things that I want to kind of share with you. Tonight we are on we're talking about summer. We just finished winter where the 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 task and those are the three things I want to talk through. The task, the traits of that season and then the tools that we need to use in those seasons. As as we all know, uh, here in Colorado at least we got some very heavy snow heavy wet snow and I'm I'm not going to go out and use my rake on it I'm going to use a shovel on it and and when it it leaves fall I'm not going to be using my snow blower on them I'm going to use a, a rake so the tools need to be fitted to the season that we're in and and discerning and understanding what season we're in is every bit as important and that's that's what we're about and that's what we're going to be looking at. So we've already looked at winter and the task there is uh, to uh, accept the reality of our loss. And, and that's easier said than done. We looked at the various ways that we can sabotage that. Uh, we looked at the fact that denial comes in a lot of different f- forms. It's not just this can't be happening kind of denial. It can be that uh, you know the 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 meaning of the loss that we've had or the significance of it or the significance of the person so it can be it can come in a lot of different forms and and i also at the time when we were talking about it I, i pointed out the fact then not all denial is bad. It actually allows us <clears throat> some space to catch up with the reality of what, what has happened and what what we are experiencing. So we need time. We can't absorb the full totality of what actually happened to us in that loss. And so denial gives us some breathing room. It allows us to kind of recalibrate and regather our resources to address the, the the very profound sense of loss and absence, and the the te- you know the the um, various aspects of the person being gone in our lives. Now remember that, and I've, I do this throughout my classes as well. Is just just say let's not be too myopic about thinking about grief and loss only in the context of death there are a lot of other things that fit into this um uh paradigm if you will of seasons and loss and grief uh, it it can be the loss of a dream it can be a loss of what could have been which is kind of a dream um it it could have, it could be a lost relationship. It, it can be any number of things. So don't be too myopic with it. Now I I'm talking mostly in the context of of death and loss, um, but at the same time there are lots of ways that this can be applied, and there are a lot of things that we go through that we don't have to pathologize. We can just simply say I'm grieving, and that carries with it all of the things. That we've been talking about. So we looked at that, and then in spring, uh, the emotions awaken and we start to feel, and we have to work through uh, the pain and what we feel around the loss that we have. Um, And now we're in summer, and summer is an interesting shoulder kind of season, I think, in grief and that's what i want to take a look at now what i mentioned last week I, I want to reiterate for you because we talked a little bit about the force multiplier idea it increases the effect of uh, the loss in our lives and and the impact that, and even how we go about grieving and that force multiplier was the the shame and shame usually comes in some uh, some form of a narrative that has the word should in it and I I often will say that should is the evil cousin of shame it is the face of shame in a lot of cases because it's should it should can be you know should can be a moral should and I'm, I'm certainly not dismissing those but there are far fewer moral shoulds than there are uh, social convention kinds of shoulds, or uh, people's expectations that I'm not li- living up to shoulds, or the demands that I have on myself shoulds. All of that is also part of the landscape of grief. And we set a little timer inadvertently, not intentionally, we set a little timer in our heads about when we should be done and in a lot of cases from late spring into summer that timer is going off and we're we're looking at it and saying hey I, I i should be done by now according to what and usually it's time it's how long does it take sometimes it's actually the comments of people and and it's not even directly Because in a lot of cases, our interactions with people will convey to us the fact that they're a little shocked that we're still, quote unquote, that's the key here, right? Still grieving. And it's like, by what measure? And dare I get a little snarky? Who died and left you in charge of my grieving process? So we we have to be mindful of that and keep those those things in mind and shame has a bigger role to play than we could ever possibly know and it and it literally is it infects us just like a virus does that is constantly narrating about how, what should be how we should be what we should say what we shouldn't say how we're responsible for other people's emotions and if they get upset then we should do something about all of that and that oftentimes reverses the role in grief where the griever is spending more time comforting the people that have come to comfort them than they do actually experiencing the grief that they have and, and giving themselves even the space for that. So, tasks, traits, and tools. We've been through winter, we've been through spring, and now here we are at summer. Now, the task here is to adjust to life without the, the person in it. And oftentimes we do not, we're not even aware of the role, the many roles, not single roles like husband or father or cousin or brother or any of those. That's just a single role. But you've got to understand that the roles we play are in a constellation around the title, if you will. Okay. So, um, if, if, if I talk about my dad and losing him, excuse me, losing and having him dying when I was a kid, I, I could not have even begun to, um, enumerate the roles that he played in my life besides being my dad. Like a partner to play catch with or the the person who teaches me how to uh, shine my shoes he was a, a former marine and that's what we did back in those days we don't do that now thank goodness but it's those kinds of things or taking taking a walk or hanging out in the garden or doing a garden at all or any of those things that are very much a part of the roles that people play for us, and that's that's something to keep in mind. I think for what we're talking about here, so we have to adjust to the life without the person in it, and we begin to be aware uh, of the the roles that they have played for us outside of their primary position, a relational position to us. Now, the thing to keep in mind with this one. And it, we're talking about traits now. Um, is that this is not something we usually sit down and think about, and and do or anything like that. Oftentimes, we become aware of their absence in particular situations, things that they did, or uh, the the times that we would share, or little eccentricities that they had or things like that even down to the cologne or perfume they would wear and those kinds of things have a profound impact on us we and, and i will say i we vastly underestimate the role that odors smells play in our lives they're always there they trigger us into Expecting certain things to happen, and that's true for perfume or cologne, or uh, you know the corny jokes they might tell, or whatever that might be. And so, it, it it is it actually suggests a possibility for engaging in the journaling that I've been talking about as part of the tools that I use, because. I, I I we don't become aware of these things until there's an absence. And that's that's typical of us. We we usually pay attention to something when it changes and not as much to it when it is constant. And even in our even in our our nervous or our nervous system that works that way is it it behaves according to novelty or triggers, according to novelty, not necessarily if things stay the same. Primary example of that is put your hand into a bowl of warm water. And before too long, you'll swear that the water's getting cold when, in fact, your nerves have quit firing because it, they, they have been what we call habituated to the, the temperature of the water. And it's like, oh, we're not getting any more you know stimulation so uh, as a matter of economy and efficiency we won't respond until it changes and that's that's throughout our entire system and it even, it is even not in our nervous system but that is in our relational systems like that and so um, the 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 roles that they have played for us is a key element in summer now why why would we even have the bandwidth to pay attention to this because all that we talked about last time was the you know the cognitive aspects the emotional aspects the physical aspects that come that are part of the landscape of the spring and when everything is waking up and now we've gotten to this place in the summer of our grief where we get acclimated to it and that doesn't mean that we're embracing it and saying this is great i i i you know everything's okay now no it's not that but the reality is is in summer and think about this even in in everyday life right summer's a, a time of breaks of vacations of of um kind of doing different things than we typically do in order to kind of restore ourselves and recover from the hard grind of, of a school year in my case, or uh, other work in in a lot of the work that I I've done in the past, there was no break. (laughs) There was no summer break. I'm, I am, I am more than willing to admit that I am spoiled by being able to have, you know, uh, 12 weeks off in the summer and I don't get it off because I'm still working. But at the same time, uh, it, it's just a different pace, right? I mean, summer is a different pace. We do different things, and so what often happens in the summer is that we have new energy to to develop new skills that maybe the the person filled for us, um, and oftentimes it is a season of relief, and mistakenly we be. We begin to think that well, now I can move on with life, and because I'm feeling better, I've got a little bit more energy uh it it's not as full because of the absence is still felt, but it's it i'm I'm better, and because I'm better then now I can can quote unquote move on well, life is moving anyway, so it's not a matter of moving on, and two. The only warning I would give is we're not done yet. We're not done yet. There, It is a time of, of recalibration that we have to continue to engage in. And, and when I say that, I don't mean always and all the time. It's at various points in time that we're reminded of things. And at that point in time, we have to slow down a little bit and take some time to review and and to reflect on what exactly is is going on and what are my feelings and some are oftentimes can lull us into thinking that that we have nothing nothing else to do we're done our grief has finally come to a close and I can move on except this is the this is what happens is that <clears throat> um we get reminded. And the, the the and remember I said about shame being a a force multiplier, we get reminded of their absence, or we get reminded that I don't really know how to handle this, or I don't know what to do with this, and and then it's like oh geez here I go again I'm, I'm back to where I started not true, but it sure feels like I'm back to where I started and. And to some degree, summer can lull us into thinking that and then when we get poked at or somebody touches that tender spot on our heart from where that person used to reside and and then we go about doing what I'd call catastrophizing it. We, it it's a catastrophe. It's I'm back into active grieving again. And really, no, that's not the case at all we're not back to where we started. There's a lot about the grieving process that would be similar to, um, climbing a hill and I'd say mountains here, but in, in a lot of cases, because we're at, you know, we're at a mile high, right? And so all the, the, The mountains that we have around us, the really high ones, are called 14ers, 14,000 feet. So they're another 9,000 feet higher than where we are at 5280. But we can't really necessarily mark where the mountain starts here. And in hills, even in the Midwest, you can mark them. You'd have to have a drone overhead to see... Where they start and where they peak and all that kind of jazz, but I I very much compare the journey of grief like climbing a mountain, except circumnavigating it and going up a little higher each time, and and you know the the circular kind of climb up and each circle around. I'll probably hit the same bump in the road that might exist going up the mountain, but I'm going around it and I'm hitting it again. And and then I'm saying, oh, I'm back to square one. I've, I've got to start all over again. And, and And while it feels that way, oftentimes if we just reflect long enough to look back on what the journey has been like, we'll see that we've come a lot farther than we think that doesn't make all the uh, all the feelings go away because that's not the point although we think it is the point we we think feelings are the problem and the and the issue is is that the feelings are simply the indicator of the love that we've had for the person in our lives or or the sense of absence that we feel and so we still have to do intentional things to to in, to to engage some of these things in our grief. It, it they it, oftentimes it'll I think we might look at it as you know, well this is raining on my parade. I'm finally getting a little space. I'm finally being able to feel like I've got a little energy to do some things and then this intrudes and and you know, I feel like I I'm, I'm starting all over again and I need to do something different. And it's like, no, don't do anything different. Just take some time to reflect. That's all. Nothing else is really needed. But we have to do it intentionally. We're not going to naturally do it. We we are geared toward avoiding pain. No fault in that at all. At the same time, if we're going to engage this process of our grief, we have to lean into that kind of pain not the pain of damage, but the pain of growth that invites us to look at it and, and it take some time to reflect and remind ourselves of the things that we've learned and, and those kinds of things. So summer presents an unusual challenge in the sense that we feel like we've got more energy and we've got we feel like we're kind of coming out of the woods, if you will, but we're gonna be reminded, we're gonna be reminded that there's still tenderness on the wound, the, the wound of our grief. And and there are gonna be places that we will howl because it hurts so bad, but we've done everything we can to avoid having it touched, right? So we we, we do a variety of things to, to make sure that nobody can really touch it you know in terms of our posture our relationship or the things that we talk about or anything like that so we still need to do intentional things as well as enjoying the 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 time of reprieve the the time to enjoy different activities than we did before or we would have said no to before and now we're doing them and that's that's good. That's great. And, and summer is can be very refreshing in our grief. And it actually and it energizes us to try some new things. And so the thing to keep in mind or to remember here is that the season of summer is a result of the hard work we've done during winter and spring. Now, if I don't do that then oftentimes I'll go into a summer of my grief, which means I still will go through the seasons I just won't engage them and so then I'll get to the summer, and I'll think, "Oh great, I'm done i' finally finally coming out of the woods, everything's cool we're we're gonna we're we're back on the road again, right But the problem is is that if we don't do the work in the winter and the spring, then when summer comes, we're gonna be feeling like we're constantly being sabotaged during summer by getting ambushed by emotions that we thought were done because now we're in summer and we're feeling better. And so just like the physical seasons, there are things to be done during the summer of our grief um, and, you know, my my uh, loving wife is a marvelous gardener. There's a lot to be done. But the enjoyment of the summer of harvest or seeing things grow, all that, is all from the work that's done during the spring. And the spring of uh, breaking up the soil and planting the seeds and watering and keeping the dogs out of it and and keeping... 2 year olds out of it and all of that stuff all that work has to go into it in order to get to the summer where the plants are more mature and they're more sturdy and they they tolerate a lot more manhandling sometimes Um, and and so all of this continues during the summer just at a different pace Maybe there are some areas that there isn't as much to really pay much attention to right now. But the thing to keep in mind is we will be ambushed. We will be ambushed. Just just a a, a week or so ago, I decided that I would go back and, and listen, not read, but listen to um, The Shack, the book. And that book was one that I was reading during a really, really difficult time of, of life in our family, and there was a lot of pain, and there was uh, a lot of tragedy, and all of that was what felt like at the time, it felt like it was just caving in on me. And as I listened to the book, I'm in a completely different place, my kids are in a different place, and yet the tears still came at, at what was being portrayed in the book. Because I resonated with that. And that's oftentimes, even when our wounds have have healed, they still draw us to the the feelings that are similar to what we once had. And summer is going to be one of those times where there's going to be significant healing, but we're still going to get reminded that there are places that are tender, metaphorically, that are tender on our heart from from the loss that we've experienced. So, the thing, the other thing to keep in mind is that there's no way to know the amount of time this will take. Um, in in the physical seasons, we usually tell what season it is either by the month or the days that we're in, or the the solstice. You know, the winter solstice is, is you know same amount of. Of uh daylight as nighttime, and then it changes, and the sun stays up longer and longer in the spring and so we tell we tell the seasons through markers in in our world, whether that's the months or whether that's through the school years um, and when they start and end and and all of that so we have markers. the thing that's different about our grief is that. All we can do is engage it as best we know how with some of the the su- suggestions and and uh, ideas that people like me offer and but it will run its course. I just have to keep doing the work that needs to be done during that. And the summer is one of those things. So the the journey of our grief is never going to be clean. It's not. And I underscore that in the book when, when I, I introduce in my introduction, it actually reads, Grief is Messy. I, I've got a copy right here. And in this copy, uh, the, the very first part of it in the introduction, and I'll just read it to you. Grief and grieving is messy. As a matter of fact, if it is anything but messy, one must wonder what is going on with the person grieving. It's going to be messy. And the messiness of it is not going to indicate the health or dysfunction of it. Now, if it doesn't, it isn't messy, then from somebody in my position, in walking with somebody, the questions that I may or may not ask is, what isn't being addressed, what isn't being talked about, What what isn't being looked at. And that's that's one thing to adjust our expectations, that by the time we get to the summer of our grief, there are still going to be places that we're going to get poked at. And that that's a normal part of the grieving process. It doesn't mean that I haven't engaged the process in winter and spring, all right? Now, a couple of things to, to mention, and I'll finish up with the traits piece of it here, is there are ways to abort this part of the journey. In other words, there are there are ways that I can resist engaging in it. And the first and foremost is not adapting. Not adapting. So not learning new skills that need to be need to fill, in a sense, the holes of that was left behind by the person and again and and this is there's a lot of what i have to say even in this is there's a lot of repetition partly because we keep ha- having to be reminded and we our adaptation has to change as the journey continues and that's not adapting is a very easy Uh, way to resign ourselves that all we have to do is just wait you know time will heal all wounds which is nonsense and and all I have to do is wait so I don't need to adapt and if I need anything somebody might do it for me fulfilling the role that maybe the other person played for me and in my life my mom didn't adapt she and, and it was her resistance to her grief, and it took her a while. And oftentimes, it does take people a while to adapt and say, "Well, I, I guess I'm going to have to make a living myself and support me and my my uh, kiddo." And 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 but it, she was very very slow in doing that because why? Because it's it means the acceptance of a reality that she didn't want to accept um and so there's that we can promote our sense of helplessness um i mentioned a little bit during the the springtime the, the victim thinking that this has happened to me and i i will rebel by not adapting and not and just being helpless and uh, expecting other people to do it for me so um and then last but not least isolation Uh, We can just isolate from the world and withdraw from it. And again, it it really is kind of hanging on and resigning ourselves. And actually, there is a story in the book that one of the main characters interacts with somebody, and that is her approach to it, is not not to withdraw, but to just wait, just to resign herself to how it feels, and the way it's going, and then threw herself into the job that she had and the things she had to do. And that was the way. But what ended up the net effect was it did, she was not adapting to the actual changes that had occurred. And there's a cost, there's always going to be a cost to that. So, So task is to um, uh, adjust to the world and uh, w- without the person in it and without the loved one in it. that the traits include you know the um, we're not being quite done yet, and it, the hard work there is still to do, but we have the distractions of summer. Uh, feeling better and feeling more energized, and oftentimes we can we can get distracted from our grief itself and think it's done, and all of that is is uh, part of summer. That's the traits that we're talking about here. So, but what about the tools? We did tasks and traits. What about the tools? So, well, a few things about that. Um, if there's new skills that need to be developed, then. This is a great time to take courses and do that or volunteer somewhere and and do the things that you didn't have a chance to do or didn't really think to do and what you find yourself getting kind of drawn to and again the the main character one of the, my main characters actually does do this it's not really a course but is taking on a role that she didn't really foresee herself doing and it 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 provided some opportunities to check to see where she was on her journey of grief and what she needed to pay attention to and how she what else she needed to to process and think through um another one is is just availing ourselves of the encouragement of others who have lost loved ones and or have gone through the kinds of things that we're experiencing, and that's that, that's equally important. We can have that in groups, in support groups. We can have that in small groups from church or things like that. That that allow us to 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 share about what we're going through and how it's feeling, and people that understand that journey. Not everybody understands it, uh, and there are a lot of people who think they know it but don't understand it. And there are people who understand it and know plenty. <laughs> so they're both. And and those kind of people are great people to have in our lives to talk to. Another one is to kind of reshape our home, uh, particularly if it's a person that we're talking about. Um, or I, the other thing I added here was just, reshaping our internal environment our our heart environment if you will and this this requires us to take some time to do what i call walking the landscape of our hearts and see where there's still tender places and not not to condemn them but but to see how they're coming along and where we are and and it might require some journaling or writing a letter to the person that we've lost to explain the changes that we're experiencing. And and we, I, we all know that if it's somebody who's died, they're not going to hear anything. But to some degree, why am I writing a letter? And in a, in a lot of ways, I'm writing a letter to myself. I'm writing a letter to my own heart to continue this process of adapting and growing and accepting the realities that are going on around me and in me. Um, and that, and that too would be part of what I call scrubbing the wound. It's, it, it, it is hard to do that when we're feeling so much better and things are going so much better. But the key here is to remember to not get distracted. We're not done yet. Uh, And a great example would be if you go to the doctor and you have strep throat and he gives he or she gives you an antibiotic. And what do they say? You know, they'll say this is a round of 14 days and take it at, at according to the instructions and take it until it is done. And grief is the same way. We oftentimes will get lulled into thinking that summer is the end. And, and it isn't. We're not done yet. And I know that may not be terribly good news or it may be... A useful perspective to take is that this is just part of the the journey, and I'm not going to dictate how the journey is going to go, or how long it's going to take. I'm just going to engage it until I recognize that the healing is complete, and we will get to that point. And next time when we talk about the fall of our our grief, there there are lots of things that we will repeat, and there are a lot of things that say. Yeah, it's time. It's time for me to open my life and reinvest in life. Still leaving a place in my heart for that person, but reinvesting in life and relationships and things like that. So that's it for tonight. Um, Come visit us at sgi-net.org. If you're the first time there, you'll get a pop-up that says join the community. If you join the community, then you'll get our periodic newsletter telling you about the, the schedule on the podcast, the retreats that we have coming up, and other uh, inspirational um, things to read that uh, hopefully will uh, encourage and and guide you, not necessarily in your journey of grief, but in just the journey of life. And so there's that. If you want to DM me questions on some of these things that I'm talking about, you can do that on the website. Use the contact page at the bottom of the homepage, or you can DM me on Instagram and I'll be glad to do everything I can to, um, to, uh, address your question. Maybe I'll bring it up in, in, on the podcast itself. And then you can subscribe and follow us and the community. There are a variety of tiers of membership in it. All of that goes to support the mission and vision of SGI. Uh, including supporting the retreats and supporting the other activities we do. Uh, And that's what subscription does for us is, is allows us to uh, make it possible for college students to engage in a silent retreat, which they would never afford or uh, make it possible for people just in general, because we, we, we have one retreat scheduled in May that is not for just CCU students. It's for anyone who wants to come and, if you can't quite swing the price of it, then my hope would be that we would have a scholarship fund built up enough to be able to to support and make it possible for people to come who may not quite have the income to do it. So that's what those subscriptions are really all about. Um, and, of course, if you want to donate, I'll mention that to you as well. There's a digital devotional on SGI, uh, it's called Setting New Boundaries, and you can get a devotional every week to help you think through about boundaries and healthy relationships and all that all that good stuff. Uh, so you can find us on social media at SGI underscore international for Instagram, Ray.Mitch at Facebook and LinkedIn, DRMitch. Uh, of course, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast on any place that you listen to your podcasts. Um, whether that's Spotify or iTunes or Amazon Music or wherever you get them, you can subscribe. And and that we would be grateful if you did because it would just simply raise our profile and get the word out more of what we're talking about here. Uh, and what, what I am talking about here, I certainly have some hopes uh, to have some visitors um, and to uh, visit and talk about a variety of issues that I think is relevant not only to the Z generation, but all to all of us. Um, and so, what's coming up is a, uh, a <laughs> six days from today uh, on uh, a February tenth at one thirty. We are going to have a launch, a, a book launch party, uh, and so you can reserve a spot um, on our Eventbrite page and it is called seasons of that's where you go to reserve a spot and you can also reserve your very own signed copy of seasons of our grief uh, I'll be there will be you'll get like I said at the beginning you'll get to meet our publisher um, and I'll spend some time reading a, a few excerpts from the book just to get people thinking and then uh, do a short Q&A and leaving some time to sign books and, and uh, visit and hang out and get to hear, uh, uh, hear from you. So that's the official date, two ten at 1-30. We will be meeting at CCU on the campus um, at Leprino Hall. Uh, it is easily accessed from Cedar street, um, in, in Lakewood, right off of Garrison and you drive to the end and you'll see Laprino. You can't miss it. Uh, it sits right next to our new, um, Armstrong center that has a steeple. Again, you can't miss it. Um, but you, you, uh, you can get the, the, um, map to finding your way to us, uh, at, um, uh, on the Eventbrite site, so again, that's seasonsofourgrief.eventbrite.com, and uh, you'll you'll be able to reserve a spot and get there as well. When you get there, we're probably gonna well, we won't probably we will be handing out parking permits. Um, we have a fairly tight cordon of security around CCU, so well, be sure to be looking for that if you do come. Uh, but there's there's going to be a short program, and I think I think y'all. will, Will enjoy it. Um, the website, our home, sgi-net.org. You can find all sorts of things there. Windows stickers to promote the podcast. <clears throat> the stickers are called "esse quam videri," which means "to be rather than seem" in Latin. Um, and so, last but not least, if if you would partner with us, we would be ever so grateful uh, to do that. To All of your gifts, all of your donations are going to be tax-deductible because we are a tax-exempt organization. Uh, And so if you'd rather send us a physical check, you can do that as well, sending it to uh, or making it out to SGI, uh, P.O. Box 322, East Lake, Colorado, 80614. I think that's everything. Um, I think I covered everything, Uh, and uh, if you have questions or anything, feel free to hit me up on the website or on Instagram. All right, that's enough. Uh, Thanks so much for joining me. I am uh, honored and privileged that you take time out to listen. Uh, I hope that it's been encouraging to you. Um, So, as always, I'll be here next week, and love you later. Bye.